First and foremost is my relationship with Jesus Christ. And have I surrendered my whole life to Jesus Christ? That's a personal question every one of us needs to ask ourselves. Have we offered our whole life to God as an act of worship? Not to us, but to your name be the glory. Thank you for joining us on Truth That Changes Lives. Pastor J.P. Jones is the senior pastor of Crossline Community Church in Laguna Hills, California, and a professor in biblical studies at Biola University. Today on Truth That Changes Lives, Pastor J.P. will be giving us a message from a series entitled Spiritual Gifts. Let's listen in as J.P. gives us part one of discovering and using your spiritual gifts. This series that we're wrapping up today is serving to both equip us personally, but also to shape the direction of where we're going as a church. And so we've been looking at scripture, which is our ultimate authority. What does God's word say about the body of Christ, about how he's designed us, about the spiritual gifts that he's given, that he's given to us, so that our thinking and our practice as a congregation can be rooted in the ultimate authority of God's word. So we've been looking at every passage in the New Testament that teaches truth about spiritual gifts. And we've been developing a theology, a practical theology of spiritual gifts. It's practical because it relates to us as a congregation. It's practical because it relates to each one of us personally. God has a plan for our lives. God has a unique design on our lives. God has a place of contribution for each one of us. And it's a win-win-win. God wins because he's glorified. People win because they're blessed. And we win because we find our greatest joy stepping into God's plans for our lives. I don't know what you guys do at Christmas time. I'm sure we have some similar traditions. Our family, because we live all close by here, we all gather grandma and grandpas, grammy and granddaddy, and uh, all the kids come together. And the amount of presents underneath that tree is mind-boggling. And every year we vow that, you know, we've got to cut back, but it seems like every year it's just more. It's a pile of presents. Now, could you imagine on Christmas morning with all these kids and adults and all the good food that's there and the great feeling and the expectation of opening those presents, we all just sat around the tree and looked at them and didn't open any of them. And they just sat there. And the next day, they just sat there. And the next day, they just sat there. In fact, they sat there all year, all these presents, all these great gifts, but none of them were opened. Do you know that's the way some churches are with respect to the gifts that God gives? The Bible says the Holy Spirit gifts the church and he gifts us individually. And we wouldn't even think about on Christmas Day having these great gifts with our names on them and leaving them unopened. No, we would open them. Now, here's another scenario. What if on Christmas Day we opened all the presents, but then we just left them under the tree and never used them? That's the way some churches are. They study spiritual gifts. They unwrap their spiritual gifts. They discover their spiritual gifts. They just never use them. You see, God wants us to be people who discover and use our spiritual gifts. And that's where we're landing this series this morning on this whole idea of discovering and using our spiritual gifts. In fact, this message actually flows out of a conversation I had recently with my sister-in-law, Karen. We were all at the beach uh, just talking about what God was doing in our lives, and Karen was sharing about some areas which she's been serving in the church and how she's been thinking about this series that we've been discussing on spiritual gifts. And she just asked the question, you know, I've been serving God for a long time, but I'm I'm not sure if I really know what my spiritual gifts are and if what I'm doing is my best place of service. 
And so we began to discuss this issue. And what I found myself doing was basically reviewing every passage that we've been talking about here on Sunday mornings. And then based on those passages, asking Karen some questions, diagnostic questions about how those truths in the scriptures are being applied in her life. So buckle your seatbelts, because believe it or not, what we're going to do is we're going to look at and try to ask from the scriptures 10 questions, 10 questions to help us discover and use our spiritual gifts. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. God's word says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. You see, this passage marks a transition in Paul's thought in the book of Romans. The first 11 chapters of the book of Romans are all doctrinal, theological what we need to believe, what truth we need to embrace as Christ followers. And with Romans chapter 12, Paul shifts to now the practical application of doctrine, how we're to live in light of what we believe. And the very first command that he gives to us in terms of how we're to live in light of what we believe is that we're to give our whole bodies, our whole lives to God as an act of worship. We're to surrender ourselves to God. And then he says... What will happen when we do that is we'll be able to test and approve what the will of God is. And then he teaches about spiritual gifts. Don't miss the context. The context is this. When we have presented our whole lives to God, then we will have the spiritual discernment to understand God's will for us, specifically in the area of spiritual gifts, what part we play in the body of Christ. So you got to begin at the beginning. The very first question, in fact, the foundational and most important question is this. Have you offered your whole life to God as an act of worship? Have you offered your whole life to God as an act of worship? You see, if you're trying to discover your spiritual gift and place of service and you haven't done business with God, it's all about you. And service is all about God and others. We don't study the Bible's teaching on spiritual gifts for some kind of self-actualization experience. We study what this says so we can put it in practice in our lives to glorify God. First and foremost is my relationship with Jesus Christ. And have I surrendered my whole life to Jesus Christ? That's a personal question every one of us needs to ask ourselves. Have we offered our whole life to God as an act of worship? And if the answer is yes, then what flows out of that, you see, is because I'm in a right relationship with God and God's life is in me, now I'm a conduit to give God's life away to other people in service. And in this particular passage, the gifts that are mentioned here, they really form what we have called motivational gifts. They represent what our basic drive is. 
in terms of service. What it is we want to accomplish. How it is that we want to contribute. What difference we want to make personally. And this passage mentions these gifts as motivational gifts. Prophecy, service, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, and mercy. They represent different areas of contribution that motivate us. And if you were with us when we studied this passage in depth, you remember I gave this illustration. We're all sitting at a dinner table, and uh, it's a fancy dinner, and somebody reaches out and knocks over their water glass, and it spills everywhere. And the people seated at the table each have a different spiritual gift, and that motivates their response. So the person with the gift of prophecy immediately says, well, if you'd have been more careful, you wouldn't have spilled the water. Just speaking truth. The person with the gift of leadership stands up and says, okay, let's organize this. You go get the rag, and you go get another glass of water, and you get another napkin for the person. The person with the gift of teaching says, now, that's really interesting, because when your hand hit the glass, it knocked it over at a certain angle that the water pressure in the glass spilled. And in fact, that word, where water pressure in the Greek is waterao, and... Uh, the person with the gift of encouragement says, you know, it's okay, I, that's happened to me. If you'd like, we'd get together for a cup of coffee and I could show you how to reach for a glass and you won't do it again. The person with the gift of giving says, you know what, let me pay for the broken glass and I'll also pay for any dry cleaning that you know, needs to happen to clean up this mess. The person with the gift of mercy just kind of puts their arm around you and goes, oh, oh, mm, oh, I feel bad. What's the point? The point is this. We have motivational gifts. So here's the question that we are to ask ourselves. Question number two, what motivates your service to others? What do you want God to do through you? What is your motivation? What is it that you want to contribute? And why is it that you want to contribute that? What's at the core of your motivation for serving God by serving other people? The second passage in the New Testament that outlines this whole topic of spiritual gifts is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, please turn there. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 13, the Apostle Paul is answering a series of questions that were raised by the church of Corinth. They're very in-house, family, church-related questions. In fact, you can read the book of 1 Corinthians, and uh, Paul introduces a topic with now concerning, now concerning, now concerning, now concerning. And each of those topics were issues that uh, the church at Corinth was asking the Apostle Paul to give some commentary about as they did church together. So he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. You you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God who works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. The body is a unit. And though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, 
they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we're all given the same one spirit to drink. Boy, if you were to go back and look at every word in that passage and notice how many times the word was used, one word would stand out more than all the others as being used more times. Spirit. 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 This is a passage about the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, the life of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. In fact, the Apostle Paul uses two terms in the New Testament for spiritual gifts, charismata and pneumatica. Charismata is grace gift. It's where we get the word charismatic. That has a particular meaning in some circles, but biblically, every Christian is charismatic. Because every Christian is gifted by grace. We have grace gifts. But here in 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul uses the word pneumatica, spirit gifts or spiritual gifts. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are enablements, empowerments of the Holy Spirit, abilities of the Holy Spirit, and in particular, manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says that there are different gifts and there are different ministries And there are different results. But there's this common experience with the Holy Spirit that ties together every follower of Jesus Christ. In other words, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you got connected to God by the Holy Spirit. You might have thought about it. You might have processed it. It might have been for you a very intellectual issue or it might have been for you a very emotional issue or maybe just something that just seemed like the right thing to do. Or maybe it was a commitment that you made out of desperation. The point is that from God's perspective... Every person who crosses the line and steps into faith in Jesus Christ, whether they do that as a child or do it as an old person, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. And what happens is the Holy Spirit actually comes into their life and the Holy Spirit gives them new spiritual life. And so what we have in common is not our spiritual gifts. What we have in common is not our theology. What we have in common is not what we like and don't like about church. What we have in common is a shared experience with the Holy Spirit. And that's what this passage says is the foundational, unifying issue for all believers in Jesus Christ. And so, the question, the diagnostic question for us is this. Are you depending upon the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? That's very personal, isn't it? But it's where the rubber meets the road. Are you living life in your own power? Or are you asking God to empower you by his Holy Spirit? You know, Jesus said this in Luke eleven thirteen: If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more, that's the whole argument. It's a how much more statement. Jesus used that a lot. He's setting up what we would call hyperbola, but it's for the purpose of driving home a point. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So are you asking God every day to fill you with the Holy Spirit, to empower you with the Holy Spirit, to lead your life? Are you every day re-upping your surrender to Jesus Christ and asking the Holy Spirit to lead your life? In this passage, Paul says, verse 7, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And then he lists... Another list, somewhat similar, but a little different from the list in Romans chapter 12. You see, the context of this passage is not our motivation. 
The context of this passage is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. How the Holy Spirit is manifested in us and through us to others. And he mentions here a list of gifts that are expressions or manifestations of the Holy Spirit. He says there's the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. These are, straight from the passage, manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So here's the fourth question for us to ask and answer. How does the Holy Spirit manifest himself in me and through me to others? How does the Holy Spirit manifest himself in me and through me to others? How does the Holy Spirit want to use me to demonstrate his reality? How does the Holy Spirit want to use me to make a contribution to others so that people say, that's the work of the Spirit? See, it's not my work. It's not my effort. It's not about me. It's about me obeying what the Holy Spirit is doing in my life and through my life. And it's a manifestation of his life in these various ways. How does the Holy Spirit manifest himself in me and through me to others? Paul, in this passage, now kind of shifts his attention to the concept of the body and how there's one body, but the one body has many members and all the members have an interdependent relationship with one another, a connected relationship with one another, a vital relationship with one another. We've, we've kind of revisited this whole idea that none of us are lone rangers. We're not kind of independent agents, but we are, we're people who are called to a body. We, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and we have a relationship with one another. And we've talked about the fact that biblically, there's the universal body of Christ. That's every Christian who's ever lived throughout all time. But there's also the local expression of that body. And if you call Crossline home, this is the local expression of the body of Christ that God wants you to participate in. If you're part of another church, then that's where, that's where God wants you to, to share and serve and use your gifts. Bloom where you're planted. No lone ranger of Christianity, but body-focused, team-focused. And so Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 to 31, using that body concept as the context for teaching about spiritual gifts. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one body, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I will show you the more excellent way. Love. Paul is uh, trying to help us embrace this body concept. Back when I was a young Christian in the uh, 70s, uh, 
big church up in the Bay Area, Peninsula Bible Church. The pastor's a man named Ray Steadman, just awesome Bible teacher. Came out with a little book called Body Life. And it just illustrated these basic biblical principles, but it was almost like a revolutionary book because the American church had drifted, and many churches are still like this, into this clergy laity type of deal where you got a few paid people who do all the work and everybody else kind of benefits or receives or just participates by paying for it. That's a foreign concept to the New Testament. Body life is the New Testament concept. Everybody participating, everybody a minister, everybody serving according to their gift design, according to how they've been made to present their maximum contribution to build up the whole body. What a great message for all of us today. Pastor JP provides us with great insight. That is why we'd like to make it available to you on CD. Just get in touch and mention today's date. We'll send it your way for just $5. Or if you'd like to support this ministry, you can write us at Truth That Changes Lives, 23331 Molten Parkway, Laguna Hills, California, 92653. Or give us a call at 949-916-0250. That's 949-916-0250. For your gift of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of JP's new book, Facing Goliath. Please join us every Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. at Crossline Church in Laguna Hills. The address is 23331 Moulton Parkway, Laguna Hills, California, 92653. Or check us out on the web at crosslinechurch.com. We're going to get to the address and phone number again in a moment. But before we do that, Pastor JP, do you have any insight from today's message? Thanks, Greg. You know, the Bible says that each one of us as followers of Jesus Christ have been made a part of Christ's body. And the way we express our unique design as members of Christ's body is through our spiritual gifts. It says this in 1 Corinthians 12, But to each man has been given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And in 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, it says this, As each one has received a special gift, use it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You see, the Bible says that we have been stewarded with God's grace and we're to use God's grace in serving one another. And the way we do that is through expressing our spiritual gifts. Our gifts are a means by which we connect with one another in the body of Christ. And everybody's been gifted. Everybody has something to contribute. Everybody can make a difference in the lives of one another in the church. God has designed the church to be made up of many parts, and the parts are the expression of our spiritual gifts. You have been given spiritual gifts by God, and those gifts have been given to you to steward in serving others. When you serve others, you build up the body of Christ and you glorify God. Have you asked God what spiritual gifts he's given to you? Have you asked God how to use your gifts in serving one another? Have you stepped into the dynamic experience of building up the church through using your spiritual gifts? This is God's design for you. If it's your desire to serve the Lord to the maximum and making a contribution in building up his church, I invite you to pray with me right now. Lord, thank you for how you've given me spiritual gifts. Thank you for how you've made me a part of the church. Help me serve others with the gifts that you've given to me. Help me steward the grace that you've given to me. And I ask you to help me in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to help you in your relationship with Christ. Please get in touch with us at Truth That Changes Lives, 23331 Molten Parkway, Laguna Hills, California, 92653. Or call us at 949-916-0250.
On the internet, you will find us at crosslinechurch.com. We hope to see you at one of our services every Sunday at our new campus in Laguna Hills. For more information and directions, please go to crosslinechurch.com. Please join us next time on Truth That Changes Lives. The cross we-